You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly and I'm joined on the show as always by Doug Moore, my co-host here on the OTI Podcast. And on today's show we're going to be joined by Curtis Patrick. Uh, a lot, he's kind of making a little bit of a name for himself over the last uh, couple of months in particular, uh, writing for Rotoviz and he's doing the Dynasty Command Center over there. Something that I've been a big fan of over uh, the last couple of months and some great information in there. And we'll be talking quite a bit of Dynasty on today's show but we'll also be looking ahead towards uh, Week 14 and of course the Fantasy Playoffs mostly leagues that you'll be in uh, the playoffs will be kicking off this week if not they will certainly be kicking off next week but uh, i just wanted to take the opportunity to thank uh, curtis for jumping on the show uh, thank you for coming along and uh, looking forward to, to discussing some dynasty with you today yeah thanks for the opportunity great to uh, be on the show and as well uh, doug on the other line doug usually has some sort of uh, weird and wonderful story going on in the background uh, the last two weeks he's been driving home from work and thankfully doug uh, you didn't crash either week but what have you got going on today? Uh, yes, so I am home. I'm not driving. Uh, yeah, I actually just got back. For, for those who, who live in the uh, New England area or are big in the casinos, I just got back from Foxwoods. Uh, on business, on business, at least mostly. Doug's so, a millionaire. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I actually made some money, but um, which is something that's rare for me because I usually lose any money I bet on. So, um, yeah, I'll call it a big victory there. Yeah, it's always it's always good uh, claim any victory we can and you know uh, talking uh, you know about victories uh, my kind of one better point we've been picking a spot of each of the previous weeks and what was the big takeaway and usually it's something to do with actual NFL games or fantasy games but my key of uh, the week 13 games was I had four winning in games in my uh, fantasy leagues whether that be dynasty or redraft this week and I, I lost all four of them by less than seven points so that was a, a better a better week, and that's what you get uh, when you kind of have the same players on a lot of your on a lot of your teams, but a lot of duds this that's week. That's brutal. Yeah, that's it brutal, was uh, pretty brutal. Uh, one of those losses, uh, I was hoping for a low a low game out of Matt Forte. I was facing him on Monday night, and I did get a low game. Uh, the opponent just got what he needed, and I lost that by point uh, zero eight of a point uh, to miss out on the playoffs. So. Sometimes uh, this game, uh, you know, you can study it all off season. You can play it all through the year, and at the end, it, it really can swiftly kick you in the balls. <laughs> I, I think that's the best way to describe it. But let's uh, let's get back to uh, not about me sobbing about my teams. I'm going to let Curtis go first. Uh, week thirteen, Curtis. Uh, what was your your key takeaway, whether it be fantasy or just NFL in general? Well, it was a bit of an ugly game, but. Uh, Jordan Howard against uh, the 49ers, that punching in three game. touchdowns, 30-some care. I think it was 32 carries. Um, I mean, in a game like that where uh, there was pretty much no passing to be seen at all, for Howard to get all, all of that work and for them not to divide it up more evenly between he and Langford, it just really spoke to me um, the rest of the season as far as uh, how much you can trust Jordan Howard. And then as a dynasty asset, I mean, it really, really feels like it's his job and no one else is going to cut into his time at all. 
Yeah, it was a, a case of obviously uh, at the start of the season we kind of had some hope for him and didn't really materialise straight away. But definitely uh, the last couple of weeks, and I think looking down the stretch, he could be a real, real key to some to wins in fantasy football championships. And uh, the interesting thing is going to be to see what happens at the end of the season uh, with John Fox, his coaching team, and to see what all shakes out there. But I, I think Howard has probably done enough to uh, give himself a, a real crack at that uh, lead back role there uh, next season anyway for the Chicago Bears. Uh, going um, to mine and I'm going to let Doug go I'll actually let you go first Doug I don't think you'll have the same one but uh, I'll let you jump in there so I have uh, I have two uh, one negative one positive I did this last week I'm going to do it again yeah. um, I told you last positive, week you were only allowed one but anyway let's go again <laughs> well yeah so so my um, my positive one is uh, uh, my boy Ladarius Green who I had big hopes for before he um, went on <laughs> IR uh, or PUP I should say um, he finally broke out, had his good week, uh, 23 fantasy points in PPR. Um, I think he had over a hundred yards and a touchdown, uh, just really, uh, you know, showing what he can do in this offense. I'm hoping to see more of that, you know, late in the season and hopefully this can carry over. Cause I think he signed a, um, either a three or four year deal with the, the Steelers. And, and uh, this is going to be something that I'm going to be very interested in watching, not only for the rest of the season, but going forward. And then my negative is now I'll talk about. Um, the the team I cover a little bit, it's just Martellus Bennett and, and how phased out of this offense he is in regards to um you know in regards to the passing offense yeah. uh, in regards to at least the receiving game I should say uh, he's still being used as a blocker a lot he is definitely their number one tight end um, but he he has not seen a lot of targets um, and I know he's dealing with that ankle injury and it's obviously a pain in the butt but you know it, it's a situation where um, he's just not seeing what you know, what we had hoped to see, you know, we had saw, you know, in two of the first four weeks, he had over a hundred yards in two of those games. He had three touchdowns uh, against uh, Cleveland. So it, it's really just a letdown from what we've seen uh, earlier in the season. So uh, that that's my negative one. And I had my other positive one, both tight ends actually. So yeah. And spo- I, spoiler alert uh, there to the topics we're going to be talking about uh, in just a moment. We were going to start with running backs, but I think we'll start with tight ends uh, since Doug has uh, started us on that trend. But mine's just going to be uh, a kind of a feel-good story, and it was uh, not so feel-good for Atlanta Falcons fans, but the Chiefs getting a big win down in Atlanta, and it was Eric Berry first getting that pick six and then getting uh, a pick two, I guess we'll call it, on that two-point conversion eventually to win the game for the Chiefs. But uh, he is actually from Atlanta, and the last time he said he was in Atlanta during the season was when he was back to get chemotherapy uh, two seasons ago. So quite remarkable, you know, to see how he's turned things around. And uh, both his parents at that game after the pick six, he gave a ball to his uh, mom behind the behind the goals, and after the the pick two and the the game winner, he gave the ball to his dad. So I thought that was a really uh, amazing uh, story on all ends. And uh, you know, it's something if you read it down in a, a storybook, you would say that it, it probably wasn't believable. Um, but I just want to get back to that there game in general. Is that one of the, I know we've seen uh, I think it was was it the uh, the Broncos in the sense we've seen a crazy ant and kind of like that a blocked uh, extra point that was taken back but pretty crazy ant for Atlanta to take the lead Curtis like that and then uh, go for two to try and get that three point lead and then obviously uh, relinquish the lead yet again. Yeah, it it was pretty wild. Uh, the Chiefs are just one of those teams that last year and this year just seem like uh, they're going to do whatever it takes to win. I'm, it's they're kind of a weird team. You never really know who the producer on offense is going to be sometimes it's a nobody 
Some um, Eric Berry. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I, I got nothing but uh, positive things to say about the Chiefs. I had no, no expectation of them going on the road and and uh, beating Atlanta in their house uh, with the way they've been playing this year. So yeah, was de- very surprised. I definitely agree with you. There. And the, the Chiefs just continue to to pick up wins and continue to run under the radar. I know they're not spectacular. I know Alex Smith isn't the most uh, impressive quarterback to watch, but they just keep getting it done and they're scoring touchdowns from uh, all angles uh, you know Tyreek Hills had a couple of punt returns and kick returns for touchdowns uh, they had a special teams uh, touchdown this week where they had a fake punt that went for a touchdown then they had the pick six the pick two they're scoring from all different ways so uh, just at the moment playing really really well and Justin Houston uh, coming back in as well is going to help them no doubt so they're a sneaky team in the AFC as we move forward here going to kick it into the tight ends and Ladarius Green's the first one we're going to come up and I know Doug was a big proponent of his going into you know draft season and he was just somebody that I could didn't get aboard just I, I had bought in early this time in San Diego and I just uh, had been bitten so many times by him the big contract then obviously I thought I'd kind of been on to a winner with how his offseason went how he missed uh, the start of the season but it has to be said over the last couple of weeks Ladarius Green has looked really really strong he had six catches this week 110 yards and a touchdown that 110 yards is a career high but he's you know he's getting those deep targets he had a 37 yard completion 33 and 20 yards so Behind Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, he's definitely emerging as that third option there. And, you know, he's playing kind of in around 50% of the snaps. But the, the impressive thing is that on the snaps that he's in, he's not been held in as a blocker. You know, you talked a minute ago about Martellus Bennett, uh, you know, being in there as a blocker a lot of the time on run plays. But Ladarius Green, most of his uh, plays and snaps on the field, he's running right. So he's obviously getting opportunities to get targets. And, uh, you know, going down the stretch here first, I'm going to let uh, Curtis go because Doug kind of had his say as a positive last week. But um, where would you would you put him at the end of that kind of tight end one bracket? You know, he, as hard as it is for me to say that, based on not being a huge fan of his, I think the opportunity with this offense with Big Ben, I think there's there's an opportunity there for him to be one of those real breakouts. And when you look at the state of the tight end position, uh, we're going to talk through them at the moment. But with guys like Gronk out, I know Reed's expected maybe back this week. But with the, uh, so many banged up, he is uh, I think a realistic option there uh, at the back end of that tight end one category. Rest of the way. Oh, absolutely. I think just based on uh, his potential upside. I mean, with Gronk being out now uh, and Greg Olson not getting uh, nearly the usage over the last half of the season, yeah. I mean, Ladarius probably has as much week-to-week upside as any tight end, I would think, at this point. So um, what I feel great about penciling him in for 8 to 10 targets uh, and 70 yards every week, no. Um, but I think he's the type of player that could win you a week uh, from the tight end position and in the playoffs, that's huge. So. I have yeah. no problem ranking in there. And I think the word you used there was upside. And I think, you know, if you're looking around the tight ends at the moment, I, I think he definitely has this. He has those kind of 20 to 25 point games in, in him that can win you the, the week. But you may also see a week where I think the way he's a safe floor with, as I mentioned, he's running rights and all those. He had six uh, catches this past week. I think he has that kind of safe floor, especially in PPR, if he's getting those those pass catches. Um, and then just looking at him moving forward with the scenario that played out earlier in the season, is he somebody that long term that you'd be interested in acquiring? Obviously, a lot of leagues now have their trade deadline passed, and by the time we get to the the, the trade trade kind of reopening, he could be somebody who who prices himself out of the market. But if you could now, is he somebody that you would be acquiring, or is he somebody that you were high on uh, this off season? I never really got the chance to get too high on him in this off season, just because of the uh, uncertainty with the injuries. Nearly uh, immediately when he entered Steelers camp, I don't remember all the details, but he never really got off the ground at all this summer. So um, I didn't buy uh, any Ladarius. I didn't buy any of them during this season. 
uh, because I was a little bit concerned. I, I think, if I recall correctly, even in August or September, they were talking about him potentially needing to retire, do some yeah. some uh, head injury issues really or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah so I, I just didn't feel great about that situation at all. I think now, having seen what he can do uh, in limited work, um, he's a bit of an attractive target. I'm not really ready to pay any significant capital for him. I think if I was a contending team, maybe with a weak tight end, situation um or an older tight end you know maybe is leading my team now like if i had a delaney walker or a, a greg golston uh leading my team at that position maybe i'd trade you know a late second round rookie pick or something for ladarius uh, and try to hit on some upside but i'm not really ready to invest any significant capital what about you yeah i'm very much in the in the same boat as you and you mentioned olsen and walker uh, they're they're a lot a lot of my team so the age can be a, a major factor against me that way but i think i, I agree with you you know moving forward i, I want to see how it plays out and just i mentioned I'm, I'm not a huge fan i think the athletic ability is always there but that we have seen these flashes and i know he's had a couple of good weeks in a row but even with the Chargers, we've seen a couple of you know two touchdown games and then it, it kind of faded away again never really materialized so we'll see what kicks off there and the other tight end, you know, Doug kind of had a, a note there with me when he mentioned Martellus Bennett again. And that league that I talked about losing with Forte for the point eight points, I had Martellus Bennett. I started two tight ends this week. I also started Jason Whitten on Thursday Night Football and what I believe was his uh, first game since 2009 without a catch. So uh, thanks for that, Mr. Whitten. But Martellus Bennett again, kind of third straight dud. Uh, and particularly with uh, Gronkowski missing, you know, we, we all, well, I in particular, and I know, Doug, I think you were in the same boat, thought Bennett would kind of really... Uh, have a lot of fun here in the in the fantasy season with Gronk out thought he would kind of fit in there but uh you know it's just been very very tough he's had six catches for 40 yards over the last three games what do you think going forward for the rest of the season Doug uh, the value here is for Bennett is he just somebody that is going to be much too hard to to trust he has a couple of tough matches coming up here with the Ravens uh, on the on the cards this week and then the Broncos after that so uh yeah I I just think it's really tough to predict um, what's going on, even even if he has some good matchups. Um, you know, obviously, you, you, we've seen when Gronk isn't there, you know, earlier in the season when he hurt his hamstring, um, that Martellus Bennett has the ability to be in a, a factor in this offense. But the problem is when you think about it, um, at the beginning of the season, they also didn't have Deion Lewis. Uh, they also didn't have the emergence of Malcolm Mitchell either. And they've really established a run game with LeGarrette Blount. I mean, he has 13 rushing touchdowns this season, um, and he's going to hit over 1,000 yards this season, which is something that we're not used to really seeing with the Patriots, especially yeah. last season. Um, so they, they've really opened up you know, their two-way offense. They've gotten some more targets, especially in the wide receiving game. Um, you know, and I think that they're just looking to exploit you know, what they have. So, for example, you know, their offensive line has been a hell of a lot better than it was last season, mainly due to they haven't had any injuries to it. Um, so they're taking advantage of that by running the ball more, you know, getting more consistency there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just – I can't trust him. You know, we – you know, he has this ankle issue. It, it's not going to cost him any time likely. But, you know, I, I think this is more of a situation of he's going out there and playing because they need him rather than he's actually able to do much. So that's also another factor. I think he he can go off, and I'm sure he could, you know, next week or this week or or whatever it is. But he's too tough to trust. If you can get a guy like maybe even Ladarius Green, um, who who can, you know, looks to be getting more snaps in an offense, and you know is looking to become more of a bigger part. 
I, I just think that, you know, Martellus Bennett has such a high ceiling, but he has a very low floor as well, and I think that's what hurts him. So I, I can't necessarily trust him as more of a high than maybe a top 15 tight end, maybe a, a high-end tight end too. So I wouldn't recommend uh, people viewing him the same as they saw him earlier in the season. Yeah, and I know myself and you, Doug, both were pretty high on him, thought he would end the season as a top 10 tight end, even with oh, Brock yeah. in the lineup. So uh, it's been a, a better pill for both of us to swallow this year with how it's worked out, and particularly as well with Gronk missing so many games that uh, he didn't uh, put up more this season. I think there's no way that you can trust him the rest of the way this season just with how the the Patriots have been working around their offense. Got a quick one coming up here for you, Curtis. Just probably a one-word answer on it. Dwayne Allen caught four to four targets for 72 yards and three touchdowns in the Colts' Week 13 win over the Jets on Monday night. And, uh, you know, the Jets looked absolutely terrible that one Fitzpatrick's not going to play again this season we're going to see Bryce Petty the rest of the way for the Jets but uh, Allen entered the season with just two touchdowns through the 12 weeks so three touchdowns for him on Monday night um, it's just that uh, with him and Jack Doyle it is so predict- unpredictable uh, this tight end position uh, are you trusting him the rest of the season uh, I'm going to cut it to a yes or no answer <laughs> no yeah I, I agree as well I think that it's uh, just far too hard to call if it was picking one of the two of them i'd probably pick uh doyle over the rest of the season um i'd far rather uh, you know obviously you're rolling hilton there and you're rolling with moncrief moncrief with another touchdown his yards continue to be quite low but uh, another touchdown for him this past week uh, i want to get your thoughts on the next guy and it's travis kelsey the last tight end we're going to talk about uh, 100 yards for a third straight game in the fourth time in six weeks he's somebody particularly not even last season uh, two off seasons ago we really had huge high hopes for him uh, and he kind of you know disappointed last year but with uh, Macklin out the last couple of weeks he's looked very very impressive uh, you know getting down the seams he's obviously a big body target for Alex Smith but Macklin uh, back in training this week off the injury report expected to, to play obviously uh, how do you think uh, it shakes out do you think when Macklin returns it still goes to Kelsey and I think we I think we probably all agree uh well I think so anyway that it should the offense should kind of run through um Spencer Ware and Travis Kelsey but you know sometimes with Andy Reid you don't get what you think should happen uh, but I want you to get your thoughts on him rest of the season when Macklin returns and then of course uh, Dynasty where would you have him is he uh, back kind of in your top three tight ends or still a little bit lower oh I'll start with the Dynasty question yeah. um yeah Kelsey is my tight end three for Dynasty uh, I still have Gronk number one and uh Tyler Eifert would be my number two right now, but it's really 2A and 2B between Eifert and Kelsey. Um, I've put out a lot of tweets in recent weeks about uh, Kelsey's dependability. Um, He hasn't missed a game um, since his rookie season, and he's just so dependable. So many of these uh, high-end tight ends are really injury-prone. Gronk showing it again. Eifert's really never been healthy in his career. Jordan Reed, highly uh, undependable. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So um, That's not a thing, but just let's say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh so Kel- yeah kelsey and dynasty i think uh, just because he shows up every week and now that we're seeing a little bit of this upside he's ab- absolutely belongs in the top three in my opinion um as far as the rest of this season you know i i just don't trust andy reed to continue um funneling the offense through him i think that he'll go back into his former role where we can expect you know maybe uh a maximum of six or seven targets per game i think will give us you know the requisite 60 yards and i think that um, Macklin and Tyreek Hill will be battling each other for what used to be Macklin's share of the targets. So um, I think it's tough to trust any of the Chiefs other than Spencer Ware moving forward. And I think that you can rely on Kelsey to give you um, what he given you prior to this recent breakout. Um, one interesting point that I just wanted to share on the uh, 
uh, four 100-yard games in his last six. Yeah. He only has six 100-yard games in his entire career, and four of them are in the last six weeks. So, um, you know, if this is a, a breakout that lasts, we could really point back to Macklin's injury as the uh, uh, starting point for his uh, ascension and dynasty. Yeah, that's very interesting. But he is somebody that I think that this offense should be run through. There, I think there's no doubt about his, you know, athleticism and uh, his there's no question about his hands either very very solid reliable pass catcher and uh, i think he's uh, tremendously talented so i'd like to see the offense continue to run as it has over the last number of weeks um you know somebody i mentioned i wasn't a fan of a couple of the guys we went through there a moment ago but a person i am a fan of is thomas rawls he bounced back uh, this past week he had a couple of you know tough games there since he came back from that ankle injury but um i think he was very very solid this past week 15 carries for 106 yards two touchdowns a 45 yard run for a touchdown in the second quarter which was probably the highlight of that game but uh, i'm going to get doug's thoughts first uh doug are you a fan of thomas rawls and then i'll jump back with a question uh for curtis yeah i mean i i'm i'm a big fan of thomas rawls i think that he's got a lot of talent and i think um yeah i think he's in a great situation at least in terms of volume share for for carries now that yeah, uh precise is uh has been out and um you know, and obviously Christine Michael's not there anymore. So <laughs> I think he's, a, I, I think he, well, I mean, it's serious. He was the starting running back for half the season. So yeah, now I we have him on the Packers. You got six. Yeah, yeah and he could be their starting running back soon. So um, <laughs> it's true. James Stark sucks. Know, it's it's, anyway. it's tough for me who uh, I railroad against Christine Michael. All oh, that, and now, and now he's the, probably going to be the starting running back for the team I support. So right. Let's just not so I, I mean, the thing, the thing is for, for, for Thomas Rawls, there, there's two things that worry me. One, that offensive line. Now, granted, it did better now that they got their center back. I can't think of off the top of my head what his name is, but he's probably their best offensive lineman. Um, he came back, and, and definitely, you know, that was a good thing to see because uh, I think that brought a little bit of stability. But that offensive line is, is definitely something that's going to handicap him a little bit just because um, it, it's. I would. I think it's safe to say it's one of the worst units in the league. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is that the the, the – Seahawks, for some reason, you know, are, are insisting on trying to, to force the ball uh, through the air a little bit, despite Lockett not doing as much as we had hoped him to do. And, and you know, Baldwin, of course, he, he's a really good slot receiver, but he, I don't know if he's a true number one. I think he's more of a slot guy that just gets a lot of targets, like a Golden Tate sort of player. Um, and, and they're just forcing it. It's limiting him, or could limit him. And we saw that he didn't get as many carries uh, a couple weeks ago. So, those are my two big concerns, but I think just based off of volume share and, and how good this team can be, especially with its good defense, um, I would have to say that I, I could definitely see him being a top 20 running back each week, if maybe not a top 15, just because of, again, his volume share. Yeah, I would put him even higher than that. I would I would have him, I think, top 10, uh, kind of matchup depending the rest of the way. I, I am a huge fan of him. I think he runs with a, a real violence behind him. I think his time with Marshawn Lynch is rubbed off on him, but uh, Doug mentioned there, you know, CJ Procise, um, obviously injured now for the rest of the season. Uh, next season, obviously, he's going to be back in the mix. It's going to be him and Rawls. How do you think it, it shakes out? I know with uh, Rawls, obviously, got injured around this time last year, and we kind of expect him to be back, uh, you know, in peak condition for week one. But I think that ankle injury was a little bit worse than we expected uh, at the time. But, you know, he seems to be getting healthy now, and we'll see how long he stays healthy, hopefully, for the foreseeable future. But with him and Procise back in that backfield next season, is is he somebody you're, you're still going to be pretty high on, or uh, how would you rank those two? I, I would definitely be uh, more in the Rawls camp, and uh, I think he's probably a top 10 RB dynasty-wise. I would probably have uh, Procise in around the, the kind of 20 to 25 mark. I think uh, you probably have it correct 
uh, with the values. I think uh, I'd differ from you. I'd, I'd probably bet on ProSites long term um, just because of the effectiveness, effectiveness he was able to show us mm-hmm. in uh, his limited time um, with somewhat, a feature, somewhat of a feature role this year. Um, I, I think that the pedigree um, plays in his favor. I think the fact that no true number two uh, wide receiver option uh, has uh, ascended there in Seattle also plays in his favor because um, they can keep him on the field. Even if Rawls is in the backfield, they can split ProSites out. Um, so, you know, I just think that, you know, he might be a little bit more game script proof over the next year or two, and ultimately he'll kind of, uh, carry more long-term dynasty value. Um, so that, that'd be my take there. Yeah. It's a pretty good take too, when you're saying that I'm kind of not nodding. I, I am higher on Rawls, but I can see this, you know, and I'm not a Jeremy Hill fan, but I could see it shaking out similar to the Bengals backfield over the last few years where Precise obviously has the better hands and gets that kind of geo role, and then we see Rawls get more of the first and second down work, but I think Precise does have that opportunity to become an all-around three down back, and um, it's going to be interesting. I know you mentioned as well the small sample size this year, and I, I was very impressed with what he did. But I also, as Doug mentioned, had uh, Christine Michael was the starter there and uh, scored multiple touchdowns in certain weeks as well uh, earlier in the season. And that, that's not to, to take a knock on process, but sometimes we see these things in short sample sizes and doesn't carry over um, throughout you know the following season. But I, I'm very interested to see how it shakes out. And I guess one of us will be right, Curtis, uh, and we'll, we'll revisit it in a couple of years down what, the line. What I, what I want to point out real quick is the thing is with, with ProSize, and I think you touched on it a little bit, Colm, is what we saw from him in his limited sample size is pretty awesome to see considering he has so little experience at the at the running back position that I think that going down the line, you know, he could be a three down back uh, just based off of what his, his, I guess his, his ceiling, I guess you could say for a lack of better term is as a running back, as a true running back, you know, he was a wide receiver in college and, um, you know, obviously some of that skill translated, especially uh, receiving out of the backfield. But um, I can only imagine what his development could be if he, he gets some more time under his belt, um, learning how to be a true running back. So I, I think that's part of the reason why I, I would have to agree towards Curtis. Not, not, I, I know you and I are, are broadcast partners. You're off the but, show, Doug. Yeah, I, I know, I know, but I, I, I want him over. That, yeah. yeah, oof, wow. Um, so no, I just think that the pro size could really turn into something. Especially, granted, again, he had a small sample size, and we've seen so many running backs that you know had small sample sizes. We get all excited about them, poof, nothing happened. So I, I just think that you know if he could do that at, at how long he's been at the running back position, I can only imagine you know what it could be like in two more years when he has more time to learn it. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see it develop. And Doug, you. There was one agreement when you became a co-host in the show, and that was to agree with me on every opinion I had. So I, I can't <laughs> believe you let me down there. But uh, I'm going to bounce through two topics quickly, then get your opinions uh, on them. Uh, Buccaneers coach uh, Doug Cotter has said that Charles Sims is going to be activated from injuries, injured reserve later this week. Hasn't happened yet as we record this on Wednesday, but uh, he is expected to be part of the lineup for this coming week. Uh, Doug Martin, um, you know, he, he could kind of bent back a little bit um, in week 13, miss those last three series, whether they're holding them out. Uh, due to that injury whether it was the way he was playing he hasn't been playing all that impressive over the last couple of weeks uh, he was out for two months with a hamstring injury and he's averaging 2.8 yards per carry since his return I know the yards per carry stat uh, isn't something everyone agrees with but he just uh, hasn't looked the same uh, since he's returned from that injury so Charles Sims going back in there could be interesting I think he, he should be picked up uh, in all leagues anyway and he's somebody that we might 
touch on later if we talk a little bit of waiver wire if we have time towards the end um, it's going to be interesting as well because uh, Jaquiz Rogers got a, a little bit more work last week I know the coaches are talking about him getting an expanded workload but I think with Sims back in, in the active uh, lineup, I think it'll just be him and Martin this week getting the majority off the touches the other one is Capri Bills was sent to the injured reserve uh, for the Broncos on Monday uh, suffered a high ankle sprain on Sunday's win over Jacksonville they claimed uh, Justin Forsett uh, who was waived by Detroit and he will take a place on the active roster um, obviously uh, I don't think there's much really to be added to uh, the Broncos situation is there any more uh, I'll let Curtis go first to be added to the Buccaneers situation there with the running backs in the backfield no, I think uh, Martin pretty much is what he is. I mean, I think he's been effective when he gets a lot of volume. I think that's going to kind of be how he is going forward. Uh, the Buccaneers do look like they're um, getting stronger as the season wears on, so I'm hoping for a little bit of positive touchdown regression from uh, Martin. But I, I don't think he's anyone that you're building your dynasty or playoff roster around right now. The only thing I would add to the Broncos situation is um, I, I think with what we've seen from uh, Booker recently, it just has driven um, C.J. Anderson's dynasty value higher. Oh, yes. And C.J. is a guy that I have, uh, unfortunately, on a lot of uh, IR spots uh, since uh, he went down this season. But I, I couldn't believe going into the season, the kind of the talk between the two of them, uh, People, some people saying that, you know, Booker should be valued higher than C.J. Anderson based on how his ability in college was. Uh, I think we've seen since, uh, you know, he got injured just how valuable he is to this team. Moving on um, then to Todd Gurley and somebody I've seen being talked about over the last couple of weeks is maybe a Trent Richardson 2.0. I think it's more down to his situation, uh, you know, with the Rams. Unfortunately, uh, Jeff Fisher too got a a new contract this uh, past week. We'll see how that helps them moving forward. But he's somebody who, you know, this season has scored more than 60 yards just four times in 12 uh, games. He hasn't had 100 yards this season yet and he's... You know, having that kind of sophomore slump, uh, you, you mentioned Jordan Howard being your positive uh, for last week, and he scored one fewer touchdowns, which was three, than Gurley has all year, which is four. And obviously people were taking him in that first round off drafts this year in redraft. He was quite high up in those uh, dynasty startups as well. But how do you see uh, Todd Gurley going forward? Uh, is he somebody, particularly in dynasty, that you would still be happily to acquire on a buy-low opportunity, or is he somebody that you think uh, it's time to stay away from? I don't think I'm going to buy low. Um, I, I haven't seen a lot of trades in, involving Gurley. I'm going to imagine that uh, his owners are still going to want a first-round pick for him. Yeah, I think that, yeah, right. I'm not confident enough to do that. Uh, I was looking uh, through some efficiency stats uh, prepping for the show and found this uh, nugget. Out of 148 running backs who have registered a carry this season, Gurley ranks 148th in uh, fantasy points over expectation. Uh, literally dead literally dead last That's not um, good. in the NFL of all backs who uh, registered a carry. So um, I, I don't think he all of a sudden um, became untalented, but you already said it. Fisher just got extended for multiple seasons. Um, they still have a very fresh rookie at quarterback. Uh, it's not a situation that I think is going to just change overnight. I don't have a lot of faith uh, in Gurley for those reasons, so I, I'm not going to trade for him. Yeah, you know we talk about offensive line quite a bit over the last couple of weeks here on the podcast and it's another situation down there they've put so much draft capital into that offensive line and maybe it will start to turn around but it just uh, hasn't looked good and I don't think he's quite uh, you know into the Trent Richardson category but I think there will be a bounce back or regression to the mean for him I think the talent is there and the ability but just the situation is so bad that uh, 
and you mentioned you know the owners i think you know if you draft a player so high uh, you're not going to want to you know cut loose for a you know i wouldn't trade if i owned him and i don't i wouldn't trade him for a second round pick so i think you are looking at that first round pick value and um you know i don't see that happening uh in, in many leagues and he, as you mentioned he's not somebody i've seen uh, many offers being accepted for uh, even on twitter so it's an interesting one moving forward um a player that i i want to get doug's thoughts on here and he mentioned him earlier briefly it's malcolm mitchell uh, eight eight target or 10 targets eight catches uh, both career highs 82 yards and he's having a, a really really strong run here 80 yards and uh, two of the last two two of the last three games yeah and i just think he has been very impressive doug and i kind of said in last week's show again I, this, anyone listening to the podcast if i say something's not going to happen uh, make sure you lock them into your lineup because i said he wasn't going to go and get, have another big game but doug <laughs> uh, your thoughts moving forward malcolm mitchell um you know he's starting to really work in and obviously amandola is uh, now out for the next couple of games so how do you see it do you think this target share is going you think it's going to stay with that kind of three wide receiver set and uh, that he's going to be a, a crucial part of this offense with tom brady brady seems to to trust him uh, already Yes, I just want to point out real quick that we we missed a big piece of news this week in regards to running backs, Uh, and that's that Drake Bell is back with the Lions. (laughs) Uh, And I am excited, even though he will be a game day inactive. Um, I love reunions. I love reunions, even when they don't mean crap. Um, But, yeah, talking about Malcolm Mitchell a little bit, um, I think think one of the reasons why we're going to see a lot of Malcolm Mitchell is because – Typically, the Patriots like to run uh, two tight end sets, 12 personnel. Um, when Gronk and Bennett were both healthy, I believe almost about 50% of the time. Um, and obviously, they have another tight end, Matt Langle. He's not much of a guy. He, he's maybe <laughs> just a guy. Um, not but um, nothing against him. He's just he's no Rob Gronkowski. Um, and, you know, uh. you look at it, and um, what I think they're going to do a lot in substitution is um, you know do a lot more two running back sets with uh, with James White and Deion Lewis, which we saw a lot in that game, and also three wide receiver sets. Uh, the Patriots are now down to three healthy wide receivers, um, which is a problem. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do in regards to that fourth wide receiver. They have two on their uh, practice squad, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but, yeah, I would expect to see Malcolm Mitchell get around 75 80% of the snaps um, I think that he could be in there when Edelman or Hogan isn't just because I think that he can really show much as a, um, as an X threat, um, an X wide receiver, I should say. So, um, I, I do expect him to, to be on the field a lot. I think that Brady, like you said, does trust him and, and that can go back and forth. We saw the same thing we thought with Martellus Bennett earlier in the season. Look what happened. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that he's probably safe as a wide receiver three. I think he has upside to be a wide receiver two. Um, just because I think that, you know, even with the Patriots lacking um, Gronkowski, I think that they still have a lot of options on this team. It's going to be something where defenses have to plan around the entire offense, not just one or two guys. So I think Malcolm Mitchell is definitely going to still see probably five, six, seven targets in that range. I don't know if we're going to see, you know, three touchdowns over the past three games or 80 yards in two of the last three games, but I I would expect that he's going to be, um, a guy who you, you can trust as a, as a wide receiver three going forward. 
And uh, obviously that's for this season. But moving forward, uh, dynasty-wise, uh, Curtis, and you know this year the the rookie draft with players, you know like Michael Thomas is doing uh, sensational down uh, with New Orleans. You know Treadwell Doxson were at the top of that class. Corey Coleman started to come back, uh, playing healthy now for the Cleveland Browns. And uh, of course we mentioned there Malcolm Mitchell. But I want to get your thoughts on Mitchell. Where in that kind of group of uh, the past rookies uh, from this past year, where would you kind of have him ranked now? And that if you had to do it all over again. Ooh, that's yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Um, I think I think I gotta, man, it's really tough. I I think he'd be close to Treadwell for me at this point. I mean, we haven't seen anything from him to judge him on. Um, really, only negative press coming out of Minnesota too. And uh, you know, Mitchell has an opportunity uh, as a red zone threat. He's improved his target share five weeks in a row. He's scored more than fifteen uh, PPR fantasy points three weeks in a row. Um, he's in one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. So. Um, I think, you know, if, if you can find an owner that still really values Treadwell, you know, maybe somebody who had him as a, their overall 101 or 102 last season, you know, maybe you package uh, Treadwell for Mitchell and uh, an accessory piece uh, if, you, if you're that lucky. Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, to do because you know you mentioned we haven't seen anything really from Treadwell or uh, Doxon, and then last year we had a similar situation with White and Perryman when both of them uh, didn't feature at all last season, and we actually speaking of Perryman, he had a nice touchdown uh, catch and run this past week, so we're starting to see a little bit more out of him in that Baltimore offense. But it's just it's an interesting thing to do because guys like Mitchell obviously weren't really all that much on the radar, uh, you know, and then we had Thomas as well, who is you know kind of people some people loved him, some people hated him. We have Coleman, then uh, Treadwell and Doxon and that as well. So it's an interesting one to kind of go back and think about at this stage of the year, how, how that draft played out in uh, rookie draft for Dynasty Leagues. A couple of uh, other things uh, we're going to speed through here as we go through them. T.Y. Hilton, I mentioned earlier about the game that Dwayne Allen had. T.Y. Hilton went for another 100-yard game, 146 yards for him on nine catches. He's now over uh, 1,000 yards again this season. He's done that. Uh, four years uh, in conse- consecutive four-year run and uh, you know he's one that uh, was kind of hard for some dynasty analysts going into the season to, to rank some people had him second round some people had him late th- uh, first round it was kind of all over the place really in different tiers and where you would rank him but I think now there, there's no doubt that he has to be uh, if not in that top kind of I wouldn't put him in the top tier of wide receiver but he's definitely I think in that that second range what do you think I agree be like the dynasty wide receiver eight ten range for me yeah, now. So uh, I've got him moved. I've got him moved in front of uh, like Sammy Watkins and Keenan Allen and Allen Robinson at this point. But he would still be below Andre Hopkins and AJ Green. I think. Yeah, I, I feel I feel I have him right around there. I would still take Keenan Allen over him, but that's because Keenan Allen is my boy, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to stick with him to the to the. Do I, I love Keenan? I love Keenan. I think uh, with him, I just were a little bit worried about. Um, Terrell Williams um, and what he might do moving moving forward. And I think Hilton's a little bit more of a um, solidified in his wide receiver one role there uh, than Keenan might be next year. Yeah, and he's really getting peppered with those targets as well. And I think we'll see the, the same kind of wide receiver core there with Moncrief and Hilton. So that is a very good point to make up just on his target share in this offense with Andrew Luck. I think it'll stay similar next season uh, as we move 
forward and uh, moving on then uh, just want to get your thoughts quickly on we mentioned Tyler Lockett earlier and how he got on two of the players I was high on coming into the season John Brown and Tyler Lockett well John Brown's only going to play 20 more snaps per game this season going forward he's been limited by that sickle cell condition uh, kind of since the midway point of the season it was affecting his hamstrings uh, he was one of my biggest uh, dynasty acquisitions in the offseason along with Lockett and both of them have been quite disappointing but do you think it's uh, long term that both of these guys will uh, bounce back to, to what we thought they could be, uh, that both of them continue to kind of stay at this level or that one takes off and one stays as they sit? It's harder for me to have faith in John Brown uh, and Lockett at this point. Uh, if you really look at that Arizona Cardinals situation, it's it's a mess. I think Palmer's cooked at this point. Yeah. Um, there's going to be some turnover in the wide receiver course. Um, Brown's all of a sudden going to be 27 with a questionable health history. Uh, I really liked him coming into the season two call. I traded uh, on probably on the best overall dynasty roster in a 16 teamer. I traded my 17 first for him um, to try to load up and make a run this year. So I feel your pain on Brown. I think uh, I think with Lockett, I, I mean, I don't know if I ever think he's going to really break out and be like in the wide receiver two um, level for me just because of uh, – limited passing volume overall in Seattle, and now Jimmy Graham is kind of the number two option. We already talked about C.J. Procise, so I think Lockett's best case is maybe like a lesser version of uh, Deshaun Jackson or something like that for me. Yeah, and uh, I think, you know, you mentioned Jimmy Graham. That was something I definitely didn't see coming this season, so that took a a real kind of dent in my uh, outlook for how Lockett would do this season. And you mentioned uh, Carson Palmer and how he's looked. I wonder, can David Johnson play quarterback? And maybe they'll just let him run the ball and throw the ball because uh, Palmer certainly looks done there. Uh, Just a couple of things to run over as we finish up. uh, Talking Dynasty, the latest... uh, DLF uh, Dynasty League Football ADP for December from Ryan McDowell. Uh, we have uh, kind of a couple of changes in it. We have Evans and OBJ kind of in that 101-102, and they're kind of 1A and 1B at that point. And then we have Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, Julio Jones, uh, Antonio Brown. I mentioned David Johnson. Uh, we have Le'Veon Bell, Hopkins, um, AJ Green, Allen Robinson, and then Watkins. And, you know, you mentioned that you would have uh, T.Y. Hilton now over Robinson and Watkins. But out of those guys... Uh, who would be your favorite uh, to target? Uh, you know, if, in that first round, if you could have one, and who would be your least favorite out of that? That you're kind of disappointed to see them in there. So my favorite, based off of the December DLF uh, Dynasty DP, would be uh, Antonio Brown. I would still prefer him to Julio Jones or Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke uh, actually in front of David Johnson doesn't make any sense to me, either, um, given that uh, most Dynasty players are playing PPR. But I guess that's another discussion for another day. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, A Rob would be my least favorite at um, 111 there, presumably. Um, there's just a lot of uncertainty in Jacksonville. Will Bortles, I, I don't know if Bortles still being there um, would be a positive or a negative um, next year. I would expect maybe a coaching change in the next season or two. Um, yet another offensive coordinator. And at this point, Robinson, I'm not even sure um, if they like him more than like Marquise Lee on their own roster at this point. So. Um, I still believe in A-Rob as a talent, but uh, I would not invest a first-round startup picking him at this point. Yeah, in this last offseason in the startup, uh, I did take Robinson. Uh, I think it was the 108 pick, and uh, you know it's obviously not worked out. But the one that has really risen up the ranks there is uh, Mike Evans, who's had a, a sensational season. He's 
going either kind of in that 101 to 103 range and I think you can't really have any uh, doubts about that particularly in PPR leagues as you mentioned um, he's just really going off at the moment one uh, other thing to finish up on um, and it's looking forward to next season um, obviously there was a lot of hype going into the season about the 2017 class some of those guys in college have lived up to expectations some of them haven't and then of course some guys have uh, emerged you know that we mightn't have thought were going to be as good but a lot of people were stocking up in those uh, 2017 first and even sec- second round picks and a lot of people then obviously trying to make a run trying to cash in and sell them off um, are you still as high on this class uh, you know with those picks and what was your outlook obviously it depends on uh, team layout and so on have you uh, cashed uh, away many of those first round picks you did mention there that you cast one away for John Brown but uh, how has uh, how do you view these uh, picks as we head now closer to the off season? Uh, we'll call them in my own portfolio. It's just been uh, based on uh, that particular roster and, yeah. and what I needed. I really try to uh, take each individual team uh, as its own kind of microcosm. But yeah. um, my strategy has really been um, to accumulate seconds where I can. I, I still like the depth of this class. Um, I think maybe the top tier is only about the first uh, four or five players. I actually was just in a uh, three-round rookie mock um with uh that ryan mcdowell put together uh just posted to dlf uh, last week so check that out yeah. um and uh, from the sixth spot i was able to get mike williams out of clemson uh in the second round i got curtis samuel from osu and uh in the third round alvin camara from uh, tennessee and i really kind of like all those guys as like top 15 picks if, uh if i was drafting tomorrow so i, I really like the depth um and if i have a first round pick that's lower than like 105 um, I'd be very happy to move that for like a second and a, a depth player that I could uh, help my roster from uh, rebuilding. Yeah, and I, sometimes I think that the, when you get to the stage of the season, you're starting to look forward to the off season. I think that's can be the most fun time. I think sometimes the off season and trying to get your team ready for the season is more fun in Dynasty than the actual season as injuries and that start to stockpile. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we're not going to get time to uh, run through the waiver wire pickups. Uh, we were going to do that towards the end of the show, but. We've uh, talked through a lot of topics and uh, really enjoyed going through them. A couple of stats to finish it off. Drew Brees was held without a touchdown this week for the first time in 60 starts. He also is on pace for 5,217 yards. Would be his fifth 5,000-yard uh, uh, season of his career and, uh, in, in NFL history. Uh, all other quarterbacks have four 5,000-yard seasons, so he's doing quite well there. And you mentioned as well Blake Bartles. He has 42 career appearances and he has produced more pick sixes which is 11 than Jaguars victories which is 10 which is absolutely terrible but at this point I don't think we expect a huge amount more from Mr. Blake Bartles. Uh, just to finish up uh, obviously you can find Doug on Twitter it's Demer NFL. I hope uh, Doug are you still with us there? We were talking we were talking a long time there. Are you still alive? Uh, yeah I just want to point out real quick that this dynasty uh, this uh, 2017 class I'm excited about the running backs and probably the other thing that we don't talk about enough is this tight end class which I think is a hell of a lot better than last year's uh, so I'm excited about that class as well and I hope to talk about that in a future episode because I think uh, um, that'll be fun to talk about. Doug bringing the tight end love and uh, it's always good when we get Doug excited uh, to end the show usually he's very yes. excited he can get worked up sometimes at the start of the show I try and build it to uh, towards the end of the show and then uh, none of the listeners have to, to hear all uh, the abuse that Doug gives me after we finish recording but Curtis is on Twitter and he's just changed his uh, Twitter account to at Dynasty Command uh, obviously I mentioned earlier writing for Rotoviz and it is the Dynasty Command Centre where you can find lots of great information regarding obviously constructing your Dynasty team what he thinks of certain players at this time of the year and that's a weekly column that uh, you can check out there uh, anything else you want to mention about uh, the Dynasty Command Centre while you're on Curtis? 
Yeah, I think uh, now that we're into the playoffs for most uh, dynasty teams, I'll be really shifting the focus to evaluating uh, the 2017 rookie class. I think uh, some suggestions for offseason moves that owners can make, um, maybe do some uh, mock drafts uh, with some other uh, industry minds. So uh, take on a little bit of a different format um, than kind of the uh, most of the time this uh, season I was looking at a focus player or maybe two or three players in an article, it'll be a lot more strategy and rankings based as we move into the off season. Yeah. Look forward to seeing them. It's always fun this time of year as we start to get into that, you know, how to, how to get that team ready for next season. Uh, big decision to change the uh, Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it was just uh, kind of doubling down on the brand. I think uh, the article, um, the series has been doing really well. And, um, you know, I also it was an opportunity to kind of hide my, uh, hide my uh, personal email from uh, uh, <laughs> from everyone in the, the dynasty community so I um, hadn't really anticipated uh, um, everything kind of growing this uh, fast as it has this season so just wanted to keep it uh, professional with the, the fantasy handle there yeah and obviously uh, the hashtag brand has to be looked after and of course uh, it's always it's always good uh, that is at dynasty command all you have to make sure now is that you don't change uh, the name off the article to something else or else you'll change it again but uh, we'll worry about that when the time comes obviously thanks to Curtis for coming on obviously thanks as well to Doug for, for coming on uh, and sharing his time with us this week after having uh, such a big win uh, at the casinos over the last couple of days and of course I'm on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and uh, if you are in the playoffs this week of course good luck hopefully you make it through to the next round unlike me who is, uh, had, a, had a tough season me and poor Keenan Allen but we'll move on away from that and uh, until we're back next week uh, have a good one Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.